Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dig. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang, it's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in third and final hour here on Monday, Monday. See, I'm thrown <laughs> off here. It's Tuesday, but we're going to be turning on the light anyway with Jack's Blaine of New Bedford Light. Normally we do it on Mondays, but uh, Jack was hard at work on his column that we'll discuss today. So uh, he's going to join us today. Jack, before we get into it, let's uh, let's see what's up with this caller on the line here. Uh, good morning. You are on WBSM. Hello, you're on the air. No. All right. Well. You can call back if there's an issue. Uh, also, I got an app chat message from Jim who said the Trump money spot was cut short. I didn't hear the code. That was a promo for the contest that ran. The code will be coming up this hour. So the codes start at 8 a.m. They run all the way through the 5 p.m. hour for the rest of the day. So what you heard was just promoting the code itself, uh, promoting the contest itself, not the actual code. Uh, let's see here. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hello. Hey, good morning. That was me. I'm sorry. My mic accidentally shut off. Oh, no problem. And Tim, earlier you were talking about CTE, brain damage, and concussions. And, um, you know, there's so much that they still don't even know about that. And personally, I've experienced about six or seven concussions, but I've also had three head traumas on top of all that. And let me tell you something, it definitely does change you severely. And it definitely brings out a lot of stuff that you probably never knew existed or was created through these injuries. And, um, and I, can, I can understand why some of these people take these drastic actions that they do. I'm not, I'm not, I, can, I can understand why I'm not accepting them, but right. I, it doesn't make it right, but I can understand what happens. And uh, you lose coping mechanisms through these injuries that are gone, they're and just I, gone. And I bet it's hard to, to say to somebody that that's going on too. It's hard to admit not only to yourself, but to others that that's what you're going through. Absolutely. And throughout the process, everything was full. I, I, I see it taking place. And uh, a friend of mine said to me after the head injury, after this really bad head injury I had, he said to me, you know, you got to watch it because I felt like I was okay. You know, and he said, you got to watch out for long term stuff. I said, what are you talking about? I, you know, I feel great, you know, but I never really didn't. I just thought I did at the time. But as time goes on, things get much worse. And it wasn't until I heard a commercial on the radio for uh, Massachusetts Brain Injury Association 
and they start to listen to a lot of different things that take place after head injuries. And man, I started identifying with each one of them. And so it, and it brought it into the light, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, it's, I can, so you can understand what happens to people over the course of time. And definitely like in football, all the things that these guys go through. Um, yeah, it's real. It definitely is real. You know? Well, I'm and sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but, uh, but thank you for the insight. Yes. And the only way to test for it, you can't test for CTE unless you're dead. Right. So, so I'm not going to have that test right away anyways. Yeah. Try to hold that off as long as you can. Take care. All right. Have a good day. And, and yeah, I mean, Jack, you and I both know somebody that went through a very serious concussion and, and had lingering effects of that for a long time afterward. Yes, yes, it's a serious illness. I, I, I personally, you know, f- football is probably my favorite sport. Uh, well, football and tennis. I play tennis. Uh, I, I don't know if I could let a kid of mine play football. Uh, it, it just, uh, you know, tackle football, it, it's just too risky. It's, that's my opinion. It's a beautiful uh sport to watch much more exciting than to me than baseball or, or or soccer even but but um it's just it's just too dangerous well i'm not going to tackle you today <laughs> but we are going to be turning on the light so let's go on over here and hit the rolling stones who by the way have a new album out i don't know if you've, yeah, if you've heard yeah. some of that yeah and I, and I heard a cut from it it sounded good sounds sounds kind of like old stones days like back in these days you know We are going to be turning on the light. And, Jack, you are one of the only people really shining a light on what's going on with this Star Store situation. <laughs> yeah, I seem to be obsessed with it. Uh, I've, I've written five columns on it now. I think I have one more to go. Uh, um, I, I guess it's just the outrage that I have for something that didn't have to happen and the um, behind-the-scenes maneuvering that, that led to it. I mean, it's one thing if a situation is inevitable, but the more that you pull strings on this Star Store story, the more you see that it was not inevitable and you see that there are the, these state agencies behind it that are, are just uh, very powerful but, but very hidden. So, and, and this has been, you've been asking these questions right along and it's taken you a while to get to some of these answers because nobody's really being forthcoming. No, nobody. And, and I would say the people both want to save it and the people who want to get rid of it. Nobody is really telling the whole story. I filed a couple of public records requests with um, the UMass Building Authority and the Division of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance. Those are, now, those are a mouthful, but they're basically the state agency in charge of all buildings and the uh, university agency in charge of all buildings. Uh, UMBA, uh, the UMass Building Authority, did not even bother to to, uh, honor the public records request, which the New Bedford Light is going to fight them on it. But um, DCAM, the Division of Capital Asset Management, did uh, provide us with two letters from Paul Downey, um, one of which was written just this past August that said even though UMass missed the deadline, he would still give them the building for a dollar. Now, the previous year, the other letter I got said that he... uh, claimed that because they missed the deadline, the building was still his. It looked like he was he was seeking another year of lease payments, which, as we know, Senator Montigny did not want to give him. But uh, uh, so those were things that I was just shocked to know that Downey had done that. And he recommended that Governor Healy, who has really tried to stay invisible on this, which I think she's trying to stay invisible on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, five days before the, she signed the state budget on August 9th, uh, uh, he wrote her this letter, uh, four days before, uh, 
saying that he would still do it, but that he wanted um, a section of the budget that prevented um, UMass from doing any maintenance in the future, which I, I it sounds like Santa Martigny might have put in because the, um, again, even though I support Mark's position, I don't think he's been forthcoming about everything. Uh, uh, it sounded like he wanted um, an inspector general to, um, it did, it was that he wanted an inspector general to investigate why maintenance was never done on the Star Store and now it needed all this maintenance. I'm not sure it really does need all this maintenance. I've heard that it's exaggerated. Um, UMass Dartmouth itself, I found out, on the Dartmouth campus has $700 million of maintenance that needs to be done. So the $70 million that needs to be done on the New Bedford campus, Jeepers just added to the, to the Dartmouth campus. They clearly don't want to run an art school anymore, and they use these two state agencies, the UMass Building Authority and the uh, Division of Capital Asset Management, to basically, if you believe Chancellor Fuller, forbid him from taking the building for a dollar. So let, let's let's pull things back to Downey again because I think he might. It's when I was reading your your column, I said, well, it sounds like he might have been unfairly maligned in in some of this because, granted, you know, as you said a year ago, and if they weren't buying the building, then yes, you would want another year of payments, right? That would make sense. But if his current stance is he thinks that the 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 Commonwealth should be buying the building for a dollar, it doesn't sound like he's standing in the way of that anymore. Well, at the very end of the column, I, I quote uh, Audra Riding, uh, uh, Montigny's uh, chief legal, legislative and legal counsel, saying that she felt that, that Downey's letter was a charade, that, that, you know, because he had the previous letter saying, I claim that it's mine, and that, that because they missed the deadline, and now I'm saying the deadline doesn't matter, which is it, is, is he just... You know, it, it seems to me like he was trying to get that section of the budget. I think it's section 79 out of the budget that was going to require an inspector general to examine whether he did the maintenance he was supposed to do. Um, you know, I, I, I don't I don't you know, there's so many claims and counterclaims coming going on in this. It's interesting that 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 Paul Downey and Mark Montigny, two West End guys uh, who grew up around the same time, uh, uh Downey used to give money to, 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 to Martigny when Martigny was, was, was raising money and now just seem to hate each other. And, 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 you know, whether that's because the maintenance wasn't done, I don't know um, what, the, what the source of the falling out is, but, but, but those two are, are, are really at each other's throats. Now, there may be good reasons on both sides. Um, I, I tend to be more inclined toward... Uh, uh, Senator Montigny's side that 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 you know the building is there if it needs maintenance pay for the maintenance you paid a lot of money over the years now maybe uh, Mr. Downey will come in at some point I've called him any number of times and say well um, they didn't give me enough money to do the maintenance um, certainly UMass Dartmouth Chancellor Mark Fuller has said that he didn't get enough money to even do the common maintenance. The common maintenance is like cleaning the floors, you know, fixing broken windows, stuff like that. I, I will say that they were getting $415,000 a year and he said he needed $450,000 a year. John Saunders, during the time that he was the head of the former city council, John Saunders, the head of maintenance at the Star Store, went from making around 77000 to somewhere around $122,000 in the 20 years. So maybe it was one hundred and fifty. I don't know. He, he made a lot more money. So uh, I don't know. What does it cost to do maintenance at a building that size? It's a, build, it's a big building. 
But everybody is claiming they don't have any money. There was a lot of money spent, and now they're claiming they can't afford it. So in two weeks, they have to change. They have to close the whole darn school, move it out to Dartmouth, where on the Dartmouth campus it's it's in a foyer, you know, in an open space, not meant to be classrooms. And and the other part of it's on Route Six in a strip mall. I mean, it's just really an example of, of government working badly, in my opinion. So, again, the, the number that was quoted for the maintenance that the building needs, did you say $70 million? Well, I, I was talking to, to Chancellor Fuller one day, and he, he started off with $50 million, and, and then he said, well, it could be 50 to $70 million. You know, and, and then the ne- next thing I know, that the, the $70 million figure was, was being used as a bottom line, even though they started out with $50 million. So, you know, there are different things that need to be done. They don't necessarily all have to be done at once. Um, I've heard that it needs a new HVAC system. I've heard that there was money put aside for that. I've heard that it needs a new roof. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, I don't know. We, we, does it all have to be done in the same year? Does it? Well, but know? also maybe if you're down here, you're thinking, well, if they're not going to buy this building, I don't want it. I want to sell it. And now it's out there that it needs 50 to $70 million worth of work uh, that's going to be tanking my ability to sell this building. So it's better if I can just get it well, off for a dollar. Well, you know? does he want it or does he not want it? He's written two different letters that go in different directions. Mm-hmm. You know, So I, I think there is some basis for Montigny's Adolfo writing saying that it, you know, it might have been just posturing. The other question is the lobby firm, two Boston lobbying firms that Downey hired, what do they actually do? The only one who acknowledges that he was lobbied is, is um, State Rep Maki, and he says that he didn't do what they asked for anyway, which was to fund the lease because he deferred to Montigny. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know. What was that lobbying firm for? It begins to look like the lobbying firm was to give him legal advice on how to keep getting paid you know, for, for, for this. So there's a lot to it. Uh, another bit of news that came out was that the city of New Bedford and the New Bedford Art Museum have offered to use the museum to host a ceramics course. I don't know if you... Yeah, they have one kiln down there, I guess. Uh, I don't know how big it is. Supposedly, they... I mean, I saw, I saw the ceramics kiln room. There were seven or eight of them. So I, I don't know how many they need, but I can't imagine one is enough. Uh, I thought I saw a couple of portable kilns up in the um, uh, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond building. So, you know, I've, I've got a, a text into one of the students. I'm hoping to hear. Uh, there's all kinds of rumors out there that, that, that they're going to deconstruct the kilns and bring them to UMass. Other ones that they destroyed them. Who knows? But those kids that are in ceramics, I think, have particularly suffered. I, I do uh, want to say, if we go back to Paul Downey for a minute, you know that, that you can give him the b- benefit of the doubt and say he really does want to, to, to give it to UMass Dartmouth now, but you could just, you know, say just, you know, the, the problem that is that these two agencies, these two state agencies, DCAM and UMBA, are, are preventing uh, that from happening. So there are reportedly are negotiations continuing with um, UMBA, UMass Building Authority, who Governor Baker really wanted to um, to bring into the process. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me if, 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 if Downey really wants to transfer it, he can just, you know, say, tell me who to transfer it to. There was also a, a, some sort of a, a, a dispute over Montigny saying that he would, if UMass won't take it, he'll, he'll transfer it to another state agency. Uh, the mayor says he wants... Uh, uh, the city to own it. Montigny says that's a non-starter. 
you see what's happening here, Tim, is, is just all these, you know, politicians, bureaucrats and state agencies, the university, all have their own agendas. And a school that is universally known to have been a good thing for downtown New Bedford, you know, a successful school. And they say that many kids are not going there. Talk to the faculty who they say have not been replaced. The school has not gone to the trade shows to recruit students. There are two sides to that story, too. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like they couldn't get it done one way or another. So you, you said about, you know, agendas getting in the way and maybe some, maybe some personalities, too. Personalities, agendas, like, you know. No, so uh, I think former Mayor Lang's idea was the best one. Get everybody in a room and just work it out. You know, you have to pay off Downey, pay him off. If, 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 if he really does want to just give it, as he says has been his intention, just give it. You know, I, I mean, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I hope he, he I, I think, you know, you hear that he's a charitable guy. He's given a lot of money to Bishop Stang, other places over the years. Uh, maybe he does. Uh, uh, but whatever the reason is, these, these, these people, these elected officials, these developers, these university people, these state agency people just don't seem to be able to get it done. Well, we'll talk some more about this and take your phone calls at 508-996-0500. Right now, though, I do have to take our first break of the hour. And uh, you might want to pull out your WBSM app because it may be time to get your first Win Trump's Money Code of the Day. All right, welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light, and we will take your calls at 508-996-0500, and we can also take your app chat messages as well. But, Jack, you're a fan of, J of Van, Van Morrison? I am, always have been. Um, you know, the early stuff, Brown-Eyed Girl and all that stuff, uh, I just... Um, I think he has a passion in his voice, and he's uh, clever with, with the way he uses his voice. Uh, and, of course, he's a good Irishman. So, And, well, he's going to be performing live in concert at the Providence Performing Arts Center September 22nd and 24th at 7 p.m. You can get your tickets at ppacri.org, or you can call 401-421-ARTS to get those tickets. And, of course, you know, one of the most performed songs of all time is a song that Van Morrison originally did with them. Gloria. I mean, every bar band in the world, every high school band just starting out from, you know, 1965 to 19 to today, you know, Gloria is one of the first songs they learned to play. G-L-O-R-I-A. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's great because you can take a little three minute song and you can get an entire 30 minute, uh, <laughs> you know, set out of it. So, uh, but you, I'm sure he'll probably perform that as well as so many other great songs uh, when he plays at the PPAC. You know, one of the things that was discussed with this star story, and we're, we'll continue discussing this, but we'll also talk about some other things as well. But one of the things that keeps getting brought up is how unfair it is to the students. I know that you have been in contact with the students, so you know exactly what's going on with whether or not, are they starting classes yet? I know you said they were getting classroom instruction, but they weren't getting the hands-on stuff yet. Have they been able to do anything yet beyond just listening to lectures? So, so I've talked mostly to the artisanry uh, uh, students, which are ceramics, uh, uh, fibers, um, uh, uh, printmaking, things like that. And uh, the ceramic students, so those students are all up in the Bed Bath & Beyond building, which, by the way, they, they've taken the Bed Bath Beyond sign down and put a UMass Dartmouth sign up, so thank goodness for that. But um, so uh, the building, when school opened two weeks ago, 
was not open to the students. So that meant the first two weeks they had some field trips for them, but they weren't they did not have access to learning space that you would think they had paid for in their tuition. And there was some grumbling about that. Um, uh, I think, you know, the students are of two minds. There are two issues here. One is the unfairness of what they've done, taking them out so quickly to the students. The other is the unfairness to the city of New Bedford in the downtown, which relied on the, the merchants, the, the restaurants, the, the, the gift shops that relied on these students. Um, so I think the students are more concerned with their own careers and they are realizing that we have to get back to work and I, I'm paying good money for this master of fine arts degree. I really, no matter what kind of circumstances they're giving to me, maybe there'll be a class action suit, but right now I have to get back to work. That, that's what I'm hearing. Sure. And it's great that they took the bed, bath and beyond sign down, but I mean, I guess theoretically beyond covers a lot of things. So if they were, they were kind of covered under that to begin with. All right, well, 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in on this or other issues that you would like to talk with me and Jack Splain about. Right now, though, we're going to go into the newsroom and we're going to get all the headlines of the day with Adam Bass. And if you haven't had a chance yet to enter in that code, you can go and do so at WBSM.com or on the app. We will have codes every hour for you to win Trump's money now through the 5 o'clock hour so you've got a chance every hour to win $100 and to be entered for the grand prize of thirty grand. Right now, though, let's go in the newsroom with Adam Bass. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. automakers is entering its fifth day. Reports say the union has met with Ford, GM, and Stellantis in recent days, with little to no progress on a new contract. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri. They're demanding better pay and pension benefits. The U.S. is pledging an additional $11 million to local and international organizations responding to the deadly floods in Libya. In a statement Monday, President Biden said the State Department and the U.S. Agency for International Development will co coordinate the delivery of aid, which will help provide support such as food, water, shelter, and medical assistance. Powerful storms hit Libya earlier this month, causing dams to burst and leading to catastrophic flooding. Thousands are believed to be dead, with thousands more or missing. Gas prices are hitting their highest level of the year, according to analysis to analysts. The reason for the spike comes from the countries of Saudi Arabia and Russia cutting back their output of oil. The lack of supply from the other countries raises the prices for oil, despite the United States producing more oil than ever in the past five years. AAA said Monday that the national average for regular gas is 388 per gallon. That's a five cent jump over the past week as nearly a dozen states now average four dollars a gallon or higher. This comes as U.S. oil prices have climbed over $92 a barrel for the first time since November of 22. President Biden is set to address the United Nations General Assembly today. The White House says Biden will re reiterate U.S. support for Ukraine and issue a defense of American leadership abroad. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is also expected to speak at the meetings ahead of his scheduled visit to the White House on Thursday. And a Walt Disney World theme park will be back to its regular operations after a bear was spotted inside and captured. Trey Thomas has more. 
Florida wildlife officials caught the bear in a backstage area near the Magic Kingdom's Frontierland Monday afternoon. Disney temporarily closed down a portion of the park when the bear was first spotted. Experts believe the animal was most likely looking for food since they are normally trying to pack on extra fat before the start of winter. The bear will be relocated to a nearby national forest. I'm Trey Thomas. And in sports, the Boston Red Sox came out victorious against the Texas Rangers last night with a 4-2 win. The two will play ball again tonight at 8.05 p.m. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Just an absolutely gorgeous day today. Lots of sunshine, a little bit on the breezy side, though. High temperatures right up around 74 degrees. You'll notice the wind out of the west at about 8 to 18 miles per hour. Then clear and cool tonight. A pleasant night for sleeping. You can open up those windows. Those will be falling back down into the low and mid-50s region-wide. And for your Wednesday, bright sunshine returns. Nice, comfortable day. The high 73. More of the same coming our way for Thursday and Friday. Plenty of sunshine and highs in the low 70s. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Bill Guile on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 62 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Stream WBSM live, crystal clear, with one touch, the WBSM app. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And, you know, Jack, we were talking off air earlier that we are in election season here in New Bedford. And we're just not really here. I mean, obviously, you know, Chris and Marcus with South Coast Now, they do a great job of of uh, making sure that people are aware of what's going on. They were doing a show the other day where they were just asking people who they were voting for uh, in some of these different offices. But is it is it because there isn't enough challenged spots i mean there's a few contested races um but why are we hearing more as we are now just weeks away from the preliminary election in new bedford and, and of course the preliminary election in, in fall river today well, well first of all i'd like to say thank god for chris and marcus because whereas the newspapers you know uh, and radio used to do a lot of that stuff now it really has fallen to them to do these interviews these individual uh, profiles if you will with the candidates and i'm glad they're doing them because if not for that we would have an election that that Nobody would even know what was happening. I, I think a couple of things have happened. Um, with the rise of social media, um, a lot of serious people don't want to run anymore because the, the vitriol and the, the, the negativity that can be launched at you is just a lot. Um, I think you also have a problem in New Bedford where the professional class um, is, is opting out of not running. You used to have you know, people who were lawyers, business people, you know, people like that, um, which brought a certain um, level of, of competence to the uh, races that you don't get anymore. I mean, for instance, we have six people running for mayor. Is it six or five? Uh, I think six. There's a lot of people running for mayor, but nobody is really raising any money except for the mayor. Nobody is really, um, with all due respect, um, the kind of person of stature that people would actually consider, well, I'm not that happy with John Mitchell. Maybe I, I, I would vote for, for this person. So it's not that people don't run. It's the kind of people that run. And again, I'm not putting any aspersions onto the people that are good enough to put their names forward. But if you, if you think that you should lead a whole city of 100,000 people, 
you usually have to have some accomplishments of, of stature in your life for people to say, I'm going to take over a, a, a budget that's approaching $500 million a year, you know, to you. And we, we really don't have those kinds of people. We do have a very competitive at-large race this year, which I, I've written about a little bit. Um, I think that there is a possibility that one of the challenges, whether it's Bruce Stewart, Scott Lima, or um, Devin Burns, uh, uh, another guy. And then there's another a Latino woman, Guillermo Santiago. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, who's also very interesting. She ran a real estate business. So there are some people with some following that could conceivably um, uh, uh, draw a vote that might um, uh, dislodge maybe the fourth or the fifth uh, place finishers in the at-large race. That that will be interesting. And I think that the reason we do have those challenges this year is because of the way some of the at-large counselors have performed in the past year, uh, where they really have kind of pushed their own agenda. Now, I don't know whether those counselors, you know, I'd specifically refer to Linda Morad and Brian Gomes are particularly endangered. I think that probably more endangered are, are Shane Burgo and, and Naomi Carney. But, uh, you know, we're going to see. You never know. We, we did see John Saunders uh, fall off the council, but he fell off and he normally finished fifth anyway. So, and then he eventually fell off, fourth or fifth. Um, uh, we have competitive races in Ward 1, in Ward 5. Uh, uh, Leo Chiquette is running a very active campaign against Brad Markey. I, I actually think they're fairly similar in a lot of their positions. Um, uh, so it'd be interesting to see what would happen there. Um, I, I have to give it to Leo. He's taken this seriously and he, he's really gotten himself out there. Um, in Ward 5, you have two strong candidates, former Councillor Joe Lopes and Zach Boyer, who um, has supported a lot of the progressive community. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're going to see. Yeah, should, should be uh, interesting. Oh, the call, we had a call on hold, but they just dropped off. Call on back, 508 996 if you want to chime in, or you can send an app chat message if that's easier. Uh, when... I think, yeah, when we get past the preliminary and we're getting closer to the general election, I think people will have more interest. But it's hard for me to gauge because a lot of the WBSM audience are people who are politically minded, people who do usually go out and vote. So we're talking to an audience that, that is informed. I'm not really getting the sense of what the rest of the city feels uh, about some of this unless I go to social media. And then when you go to social media, it's a little bit different because sometimes there's agendas behind it. You know, it, and I, I always, you know, say if, if Facebook voted, Charlie Perry would have been mayor because he had overwhelming online support in that election. But yet, you know, when the final numbers came in, it was a blowout for the mayor. So I think that it is, it's hard to really gauge what people think until they actually show up or, or don't show up at the ballot yeah. box. We also have four ward races and a school committee. I mean, this, the school system is not doing all that great, as far as I know, if you, if you look at the MCAS scores and things like and that. And there's a lot of things on the horizon that the school school department, is, that the school yeah. committee is going to have to deal with. And we have no no challenges in the school committee races. We have no challenges in four of the six wide races. So I, I think there's a lot of apathy out there. Let's uh, let's take this call. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Yeah. Hi, guys. How are you? Doing all right. What's on your mind? I'm sorry to, to change things, but I didn't hear it in your newsroom. I've been trying to get in touch with your newsroom. There's a bad fire at Bayberry Housing Apartments in New Bedford. One of the buildings, the top floor is completely gone. I don't know if you want to pass that on to your newsroom. All right, Adam can look into that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh. 
And uh, we have a, another call here. Good morning. You're next on WBSM with Jack Spillane. Hi, good morning. It's Catherine. Morning, Catherine. Um, I wanted to, I, I didn't realize that it would be this morning that uh, Jack's hour would be on, but I did want to announce um, and remind people that from 6 to 7 tonight that there's going to be a meeting on, uh, uh, an, an educational meeting on the uh, Charter Commission, Charter Review, and our guest speaker is Mike Myosef, former city councilor who initiated the process in Fall River um, at the YWCA, 20 South 6th Street. Uh, it's two blocks south of Union on a corner, uh, reddish-brown uh, brick. Uh, and um, there are, is no designated uh, parking lot, but there are going to be parking spaces around at that time of day. It, it should not be difficult. So if you're interested in hearing Fall River's experience with having uh, a charter commission and a charter review, a successful one, one that... Uh, did pass with the voters, and that, uh, according to Mike Mayoza, made a did big difference in citizen uh, participation in the government. Please come. All right. Thank you for the information. Catherine, you know, uh, Jack just mentioned that uh, Naomi Carney could be one of the incumbents in the at-large race that could be um, knocked off by one of these these challengers and i would think that for the purposes of trying to get this charter review going you'd want to make sure that she stayed in office because she's talked about wanting to to institute that if she gets to be the council president next year well like i said i'm 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 for new people coming in um zach boyer has announced publicly that he's interested uh would be absolutely interested in a, in a charter review that is long overdue um and I understand, you know, that she brought that uh, question to uh, the city council, but I really think it's time for as many new voices as possible. All right. Well, thank you for the information and for the call. Okay. Thanks. Have a great day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Jack, this is something that I think people are starting to get on board with because of everything that went on with trying to get that question going. Yeah. I, ha I have a lot to say about Catherine Adamowitz and the charter uh, effort that she's having. I'm not going to say it right now. I've had some problems getting my message out on her website because she wants it to be only devoted to, to people who agree with um, her goals, some of which I actually agree with. But um, I, I think that there are some legitimate charter issues in New Bedford that need to be addressed. I'm not sure, sure that Catherine is the, the right person to to lead them because I don't think she probably has a, has a the breadth of support from different groups that would be necessary. But, um, you know, and sometime... You know, when we have more time, I'll, I'll go into more depth about my experience with them. But but, but couldn't um, couldn't just having the process begin that would open the door for the people who want to see those different things to join in the fight. I think a lot of people are going to be reflexively against it because she's leading it. Uh, you know, the incumbent council is just as if it's up. If I led it, people would, my, a lot of people would be reflexively against it. I think that um, uh, I think she needs to to be able to to discuss things with people who disagree with her who have a different position, you know, and um, allow them to be on her site so that it's not just positive people. I, they actually asked me, they didn't ask me personally, but they asked that people who do not agree with our goals to remove yourself from her website, which I, you know, I usually think of. Well, it's a Facebook group, right? Right. It's a Facebook page. Facebook page. But, but, but I, I, you know, things were said about me that I did not think were true. I tried to rebut them. I was given one rebuttal. The second rebuttal wasn't allowed to be put up. 
So I, I just think when you have that kind of control of what you're doing, it's not really the free flow of discussion that if you're going to change the charter, you're going to need to get people to buy in because it's a big lift to, to change a charter. And you know there are, there are things that probably need to be changed about the charter and things that don't need to be changed. And you know I, I just think it needs to be um, you know a more open discussion than than what I've seen so far. I, I wasn't really going to get into it. You asked me, so. So I did, and Catherine, you're you're welcome to rebut me. And I I wish I was able to uh, get my positions out on your um, your your Facebook page, but I'm not. All right. Well, we're going to take a break anyway. We will be back in just a few moments. <laughs> All right. I just want to uh, read a quick app chat message, Jack, that came in from Catherine, okay. who says anyone in capital letters, anyone is welcome to join the Yes Charter Commission New Bedford Facebook group. Just We'll just leave it at okay, that. But you have to agree with them. <laughs> <laughs> she says anyone. Capital letters. All right. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. before I want to make sure that before we run out of time, Jack, I give you the opportunity again to let everybody know about what they can read in your column today and how the work that you have put into getting to where we are with uh, as much as you've been able to dig up on the story. Okay. So I guess what I would say is that a lot of people think that the star still closed because it was just too expensive and the university couldn't afford it. And that's all there was to it. And if you read my column, you'll find that there is a change in the philosophy of how the state of Massachusetts is funding the university system and its buildings and maintenances. And uh, the, there are two state agencies, the UMass Building Authority and the Division of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance, who played key roles in trying to have this this system of universities being self-sustaining and that's why it closed. It got caught up in that and it could no longer be funded by the state government directly. And, and you know, there's politics and there's, there's posturing and stuff like that, but it's not because the school wasn't working in downtown New Bedford. It's not because if they put some effort into it, you couldn't get it to grow even better. It's because they didn't want to run it and they wanted to get rid of the building quickly. And as you said, you haven't. So you said that you didn't get responses from the UMass Building Authority. You didn't get the the things that you requested from them. Have you had communication with them, and they've just turned turned you down, or have you, they just not responded at all? They, they, they sent me a. It was a public records request, a formal request for uh, all their communications with Paul Downey, and they sent me a response that said uh, that is a matter of uh, of of of, uh, of communication with our legal counsel, which is. Um, protected from the acts, the Public Records Act access to the public. Now, the Division of Capital Asset Management, with the same question, gave me the Downey letters. And so what I would say is, why does one state agency give them to me and another state agency not give them to me? It re the, the ball seems to have shifted from, from uh, DCAM to the, the UMass Building Authority in, in terms of control here. And that's where the negotiations are going on now. So it, 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 there is state government actions behind all this that people don't know about. That's that's what I wish people to know. And, and that's the big thing about this is even if you're like, I don't care about the arts, I don't care about the Star Store, I don't care about UMass, you could have that opinion, but you should care about what's going on in the darkness of your own state government when these plans were put in place and they've decided to just 
completely abandon those plans and, and do what they want. Or, or, or whether a system where the university has to be self-sustaining, so UMass Amherst, which is the flagship, gets to do whatever they want because they have plenty of money, and the, the branches of the state university that are in Boston and Dartmouth are struggling, and so they don't get any state government support to help them at a stage where they need help. I'm not saying I'm against um, any kind of um, self-sustaining, you know, uh, uh, a system for the universities, but when they need state help from the tax base, I think it should be coming. Absolutely. Well, why don't we take our final break here? Before we do that, just going to remind you one last time this morning that uh, if you want to go see Van Morrison, the legend himself is performing at the Providence Performing Arts Center September 22nd and 24th at 7 p.m. Tickets are available at ppacri.org or by calling 401-421-ARTS. Again, ppacri.org or 401-421-ARTS. We'll be right back. And welcome back in. Final moment here with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Jack, you guys have some great reporting up there on NewBedfordLight.org. Uh, stories about the addiction money coming into the city, the sober house that may or may not be coming into the West End. So just chance to promote yeah. everything that's going on. There's a lot of money coming to, to the city uh, for addiction relief. Uh, I think uh, 1.7 has already come and another 3, 3 million or so is coming. I would just say that I hope that that money is spent on addiction people who are addicted sometimes you see these monies come in and they're spent on other purposes that you just wonder what what was the relationship to addiction to that and as far as the sober house goes i, I haven't written about that yet but i i have to say it is there is some irony that we have what is it 19 sober houses in new bedford and now one is coming into probably the wealthiest neighborhood in new bedford where mayor mitchell farm mayor lang uh representative cabral uh, uh john markey jr prominent lawyer uh, all live and, and by the way, some of them are, are, are not involved with this, so I should say that. Uh, but but you know they're they're up in arms about the sober house, which uh, you know I, I understand it. You know I mean if it was coming across the street for me, I probably would have some strong feelings about it. But um, it's it's in a lot less well-to-do neighborhoods too. I, the mayor's even without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.